Today's gospel reading is from Matthew 6, 1 through 6, New International Version. Hear now the word of the Lord. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Yes, please be seated. Good morning. I, I have noticed uh, over the uh, <clears throat> past few years, and especially being here in the city, that there are a lot of coffee shops. You notice there's a lot of coffee shops around Seattle. Have you noticed that? But a lot of coffee shops and then other places, you know, convenience store. Every little store you go into or any place or, uh, you go into, there's a tip jar. Have you noticed tip jars have become very popular, right? I love this one. I work so my dog can have a better life. That's what I... And, and there's all this kind of theory around what to put on your tip jar and how to get more tips. And there's blogs on this and all things. But I look at it from like a customer point of view. And I'm always like, I, I don't know, can I just let you in on Matt's mental world, you know? So I go and I get a cup of coffee and the tip jar's there, right? And then, but are you paying with a credit card or do you have cash, right? There's this dilemma. Now they've got this flip screen, they flip over to you and you get to pick how to tip, you know, now. But often when there's cash involved, there's a tip jar there. But when you go to the coffee shop, you know, you go and pay and then they go to make your coffee and they turn their back to you. So they don't know whether or not you tip them, right? Does anybody else think about this or just like, and, and, but I also don't want them to think I'm like a Scrooge or not generous, right? So, so you got your cash and you got it in hand, but you're waiting for them to turn around, right? And you're like, oh, there it is. And then you put the tip. Does anybody else do this? Like, all, right, all right, I'm just checking. Because, but I thought about this, you know, like, what, why do I need them to see this, right? Why do I need them to see me giving them something, right? So that I get credit, because I don't want them to think I'm one of, those, one of those customers, you know, that don't ever tip, right? I mean, so I'm worried about my reputation. I'm worried about my, making an impression, right? I'm worried about whether they're going to like me or not like me. Are they going to approve of my, or are they going to always see me as the guy who never tips, right? Because they never see me put the tip in, right? So I, there's, notice that there's fear in there, right? Fear, afraid, right? And also this desire to want to impress somebody or, or get them to notice what I'm doing or notice how generous I'm being, right? And notice that that's exactly what the text is talking about this morning. Like, why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we being generous? Why are we praying? This, this passage is actually talking about hypocrisy when it applies to the giving of money, praying in 
public specifically. And also, it goes on to talk about fasting. If we kept reading, we'd see this is where Jesus offers up the Lord's prayer about praying and praying in secret and how to pray. But I think about this as also about hypocrisy in the way we do those things. And hypocrisy is really, the, the word hypocrite comes from this idea of an actor on a stage. It also means that I am assuming the identity or pretending to be somebody that I'm not, right? Or I'm going to impersonate somebody. Uh, did you all know that there are, you all know there's Elvis impersonators, right? I mean, if you ever go to Vegas, you see Elvis impersonators. I was in uh, Tennessee, not far from Memphis, or sorry, I was in northern Mississippi, not far from Memphis. I flew into Memphis, uh, drove down to Cocha, church planner in, in Mississippi. And when I got there, he introduced me to another guy who was, I thought, I said, oh, you're an Elvis impersonator. He goes, no, I'm a tribute artist. It's the first time I'd ever heard of this. Has anybody ever heard of this? There's a difference now between an Elvis impersonator. Now, Elvis impersonator is a person who dresses like Elvis and walks around, acts like Elvis, but doesn't do anything other than just trying to impersonate like an impersonation. But a tribute artist dresses like Elvis and then performs songs sung like Elvis. So they'll perform Elvis tunes. And they want to make sure, he was very clear with me, I'm not an impersonator. I'm a tribute artist, right? And I thought about this idea of trying to be, you know, what he was trying to honor, actually honor Elvis. It was his point. I'm not just impersonating Elvis. I'm trying to honor Elvis, right? But this still at the same time, he's taking on an identity that is not his own. And I thought about this. Is this really what Jesus means by being a follower of Jesus? You know, does Jesus want us to grow beards? If, if, for those of us who can grow beards, I'm one of the people that cannot. Um, and I know there are 50% of the rest of the population that may not be able to as well. But so there's, so there's you know, do, does Jesus want us to grow beards and wear, wear Chaco sandals around and, you know, do these things and so that we look like Jesus or impersonate Jesus? Or does Jesus want us to be ourselves? That maybe the point is, is that we don't have to impersonate Jesus or just be a tribute artist for Jesus but that Jesus actually just wants us to be ourselves, that God created us who we are and created us uniquely. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. But this idea that we're created uniquely and that actually God wants to work in our lives through who we are. So really it's not about impersonation or paying tribute to Jesus, but it's about taking the things that Jesus taught us and sharing with people the things that Jesus has done in our lives as we are ourselves genuinely. That's, I think, how God works best. Because people know when we're a pretender, right? People pick up when we're not authentic. People know when we're not being ourselves. And so that's so important for us as followers to realize that it, Jesus doesn't call us to be impersonators of Jesus, right? Now, this whole passage is also about doing things in secret. I want to let you know that there's actually in chapter 5, a few verses before this, Jesus says something else in the same sermon, in the same message. This is what he says. He says, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. All right, Jesus, which is it? Do you want me to, to, to let people see my good deeds and my prayers and my giving and my fasting, or do you want me to hide it, right? That's the question that you might be asking if you heard the whole sermon. But I want you to key in on this last part of this verse. See your good deeds 
and glorify your Father in heaven. The passage we're looking at today is about see your good deeds and you get the glory. There's a difference, isn't there? That we're to do good, we're to do these things. It's not that we stop doing these things. It's that we're to do these things, but we got to make sure the reason we're doing it, the motive we're doing it, and also who gets the credit. So here's the question. Who gets the credit for our good deeds? Right? That's the question here that's being raised up in today's passage. Who gets the credit for our good deeds? Now, I've been a pastor for a while, and here's what I've come to the conclusion. I think it's easy. I think we play it safe. The title of today's sermon is Playing It Safe. I think we play it safe when we make sure we get the credit. I think that's the point. I think part of it is I'm playing it safe when it's just about me getting the credit instead of God. It's just a, I get the credit when somebody sees me putting the money in the tip jar rather than do I, do I also think that God is watching as I am being the follower of Jesus. See, I leave God out of the equation when I do that. And maybe it's about making sure that God, not only I get the credit, but also that God gets the credit. And that God, people hopefully know at some point, especially if I frequent a coffee shop, do they know that I'm a Christian? And do they know that this is a reflection of God's love for them and not just me being a nice person? So I think that's what we have to wrestle with. But I think we play it safe when it's just about us getting the credit. And I've seen this. I'm, as a pastor, I've seen this a lot, unfortunately. No, I won't say a lot. I've seen it. I don't want to paint an overly exaggerated picture of, of Christians. But I'm going to tell you a story of one Christian. So I had a, there was a gentleman, and uh, he had donated money to, for the church to buy a piano. And uh, he came and the word came to me that he wanted, he wanted to make sure that there was a plaque with his name on it on the piano in the sanctuary. And I come from a, a line of, of pastors that are, we're, I'm like a no plaque pastor. Does anybody, you know what I'm talking about? Like we, because if you've walked around churches, especially older churches, you'll see names of people and things and honoring or in memory of and things. And, and churches have gone through this history of putting plaques on things as, as people donate things. And so he was part of that uh, generation or that school that said, hey, put a plaque on it and so forth. And, and I was of the school, you don't put a plaque on it for, this, for the verses that we read today for that very reason. And so word came to Pastor Matt said, uh, hey, can we put a plaque on the piano? And I said, no, I don't think we should do that. That's not what we're about. And uh, so word got, you know, went through the, all the proper leadership channels and the bureaucracy of the church. And then uh, I, th- I didn't hear anything more about it. And then I don't know how much time went by. It was quite a bit of time. <clears throat> but it was one, I remember one Sunday I came out of church and I was out in the outside of the church shaking hands and everybody had left and everybody was out of the sanctuary. And this gentleman had engraved his own plaque, brought screws and a screwdriver, (laughs) snuck in the back door of the sanctuary, came into the sanctuary, over to the piano, while everybody was outside and gone, and he put a plaque right on the side of the piano himself. And then he left church. (laughs) And then somebody comes out to me and says, Pastor. I said, what? go look at the piano. <laughs> I'm like, what? What's the big deal? We got a piano. And then I went in there and I saw the plaque on the side of the piano and I was like, oh, 
So I got to do his funeral. <laughs> it's the thing about the pastor. You got to watch us. We're, 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 we're a little tricky. Now, to be honest with you, it was a beautiful funeral. We didn't, I didn't mention a word about that. But I did imagine his conversation with God. I wonder what the conversation with God was like in heaven. And I wonder what he, you know, and this is, my, this is totally in my, my mind. This is totally Pastor Matt's imagination here. But I think he got to heaven and he may, I wonder if he went up to God and said, God, did you see the piano I donated to the church? And I think, I imagine God said to him, no, didn't see that. Well, wait, I, I, I had my, my name on it. <laughs> and God said, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Because the passage says, if you get credit on this planet, in this world, you don't get credit in the next your Father in heaven doesn't even know about it. Think about that. I, I kind of thought about this, and again, I wondered, you know, we think about how God forgets our sins when we confess them, right? What if God forgets our good things when we take credit for them? What if in heaven's economy, those things aren't even there anymore? God doesn't even uh, attribute any Say, oh yeah, I, I saw that. No, it's like God forgets. Maybe God forgets the good too, as well as the bad. Because we, not because we, it wasn't good, but because we took the credit for it. That's actually part of what Jesus is saying here in this passage, is who gets the credit. You know, I think it's partly because we're also afraid. Maybe we're afraid to let God get the credit. Maybe we're afraid to allow others to know that it was God that it was at work in my life and not just me. Because why? Because maybe we're, again, we're afraid of our own reputations because sometimes when we bring God into the equation, when we bring God into the relationship, we know people might not like it. Or we're afraid that people might start to reject us because of God. And so maybe the reason we play it safe and just keep credit to ourselves is because we're afraid to let others know that God's the one at work. I think we also play it safe too when, when we, we do good without becoming good. You know what I'm saying? Like you can do good but not become good as a person. Uh, I was actually saw this I was talking with a, a young uh, guy who had just joined a fraternity out of his college. And he came to me and he was telling me about his fraternity and I actually knew about the reputation of this particular fraternity. I would call it the animal house fraternity, right? And so I was asking him like what kind of things he did on the weekend. And he's talking to a pastor, you know, he knows me, we're in a relationship. And he's like, well, you know, we have a good time. You know, and he's trying to, you know, like, you know, you could feel the awkwardness in our conversation because he knew that I knew about this particular fraternity. And, uh, he, and then he kept, he kept like sidestepping, sidestepping. He says, but we do some really good stuff. I'm like, oh, good. What do you, what, what's the good stuff that you do? And he said, um, he said, well, we, every year we raise money for children at Christmas. I was like, oh, that's great. And uh, I thought about this and we talked about it, but he was only telling me the good stuff. 
that his fraternity did, even though he, both he and I knew there was a lot of other stuff they were doing, uh, including like, uh, here's how I'd put it. If my daughter was at that college, I would not let either of my daughters anywhere near that frat house. That's how I feel about that particular fraternity. But I would say to them, but notice this, and I see this happening a lot, that people will do good, but they don't really want to become good, you see. He, he wanted to do some good, but he really didn't want to become good. <laughs> he didn't really want to give up some of his behaviors and actually allow God to transform his life because he was having basically too much fun in his, his mind. But he wanted to make sure he did a little bit of good to kind of make a PR job of it, you know, to kind of fix it, to kind of, you know, cover over all the other stuff that was involved in the fraternity. And so there's a lot of that going on in our world today, isn't there? You know, we'll, we'll have some, we'll have companies and corporations that will do some good things when really maybe some of their products are not helping everybody or not good for everybody. And so they'll do some good as a PR job. And that's actually what Jesus is talking about even for us personally. You know, is our, 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 our good deeds a PR job for us? You know, are we just trying to cover over something? Are we just trying to pretend like we're not, that we're better than we really are? Which is hypocrisy, right? That's what Jesus is talking about. And here's the thing, I think maybe the reason we play it safe when it comes to doing good rather than becoming good is maybe we're afraid to change. Maybe we're afraid to actually allow God to change us, to transform us, to make us into fully devoted followers of Jesus. Maybe that's what we're afraid of, becoming. So we do a little good, so we actually don't have to become good. That's playing it safe. That's playing it safe. Now, the other thing in the prayer section of this passage was that what happened was the hypocrites, that's who he calls there, the people praying in the streets, here's what they would do. They wanted to go pray publicly, but here's the other thing that was happening probably at that time period, is the people that were praying in the streets would actually try and find a position on the street where they'd be the most seen, where their prayers would be the most heard. So they would take up a prominent position in the streets, not just so everybody could see them, but so that other people like them could see them doing this, right? They wanted the other prayer people in the streets to see them praying. So it was not just about positioning, but it was also about impressing the people like them. So they wanted to impress the people that they wanted to like them. Now, we don't do that. I know none of us would do that, right? We would never do anything to get other people to like us, to impress us, to imp be impressed by us, right? But we do it all the time, don't we? How often do we lead with our resume? How often do we lead with our resume? How often do I lead with my resume or all the great things that are happening in my kids' lives or all those things? What, what's that about? What's going on inside of us? Who are we trying to impress? You know, notice that everything about Jesus wasn't to impress people. He was more concerned not with impressing people, but with making sure the needs of people were met. And there's a difference, isn't there? 
There's a difference between impressing and giving money and praying and doing things to impress and doing those things to help those in need. I, uh, as a pastor, I've had to talk about money a lot as a pastor. And we have been a, uh, been a part of three capital fundraising campaigns. I've had to talk to major donors and do fund development and hold parties and, and do a lot of things to raise funds for the church and for nonprofit. And I've worked with Nonprofit World to help other nonprofits with this. In fact, I know others here have been a part of those things. And so I, I, I always have, the, have to have the money conversation, especially with what, what I would call big donors or what we would call high-capacity donors. And those are always interesting conversations for me as I reflect on this passage. Because I, you know, it just, there's just this part of me that says, okay, where's the secrecy, right? Where's the, where's the, the what's going on here? So I struggle with that. I will tell you that honestly. But I've had interesting conversations with different donors. And one donor I was talking with had high, I would call them a high capacity donor. And they were, uh, a donor that they could, with the stroke of a pen, probably uh, make a big dent in the homelessness uh, situation. Or they could actually fund uh, two or three nonprofit budgets for two or, two or three years with one stroke of their pen. That's a, that's a high capacity donor. And I was talking to this donor, and they gave uh, a little bit to the church. And I was talking to them, we were raising funds, and I was talking to the donor, and, I, and I, we had had this conversation, we had a relationship, and I asked, the, and this is not anyone here on the West Coast, by the way, and I was talking to this donor, and I said, you know, I, I basically just got honest, I said, so what is it that holds you back from giving to the church, and yet I see you giving, you've already told me you give a lot of money to this university, particular university. And he confessed to me, he says, Pastor, uh, I give all my money to them because they'll put my name on a building. And the church won't. So I thanked him for his honesty. I did thank him for his honesty. I was like, thank you. That's, I appreciate your honesty. And I shared this passage with him. I said, well, you know, as Christians, it's not about making a name for ourselves. It's about making a name for God. And, you know, and he accepted that, and we had a good conversation about it. But I would say to you, who are you and I trying to impress? Who are we, whose name are we elevating? And just before you go judging him, let me tell you this. Judge me too. Because I make a donation to a university every year. Again, not here. And every year they list all the donors in their annual report. And do you know who goes and looks to see if their name is there? <laughs> I do. I do. I want to make sure that my name is in the annual report in the same way that he wants to make sure his name is on a building. Here's the catch with my situation. If I went to anybody else on that donor list and said, hey, did you see my name on the list? What do you think they'd say? No. Because they're not looking for my name. Whose name are they looking for? Their own name, right? 
I'm looking, I'm the only one looking for my name. <laughs> Why is that? What's going on? Who are we trying to impress? In that situation, the only person I'm trying to impress is me and nobody else. Only who are we trying to impress? It's obviously not God. <laughs> That's the point Jesus is making. Who are we trying to impress? And that's it. We're playing it safe when we're simply trying to impress others like us or even just simply trying to impress ourselves with how good we are when really we're supposed to be loving other people without any credit, without any reward, without any acknowledgement, Jesus says. He says, don't let the left and the right know what's going on. The left hand know what the right hand is doing and vice versa. That means I'm not even supposed to know that I've done it. Think about that. I'm not even supposed to be caught up in impressing myself and looking for my name in an annual report. Maybe we're afraid this is the fear. Maybe we play it safe because we're afraid that we won't matter. Isn't that it? <laughs> Maybe we're doing that because we're afraid that our life won't matter. Good news, people. Your life already matters to God. You are already fully loved by God, created by God, and our lives matter to God. Whether we give or not, you already matter to God. You are already fully loved by God, whether your name's in an annual report or on a building or in the streets, it doesn't matter. You're, you already matter. In the name of Jesus Christ, you matter. So here's my application question for you today. And I want you to think about this. And if you can't answer this question, I want to encourage you to start one today. I want you to make a list of all the things that you've done, good things that you've done, prayers that you've prayed, donations that you've made. I want you to make a list of that. And I want you to make a list of only the things you've never gotten credit for. Only the things you've never been recognized for, you've never gotten credit for. One question I would have is, can you come up with that list? And if you have a list, keep it to yourself and keep adding to it. Here's my challenge. Make a list and start making a list of things that you do that are good that nobody will ever know about. What would that look like? What would that list, what would be on that list for you? Maybe you've already got one and you're, it's in process. Maybe if you don't have one, start one. But start looking at that list and start making a list of all the good things that you do that is to the glory of God and God only that nobody else ever sees. And just know that God sees it. Just know that you are loved and you matter to God whether you have a list or not. But know that God sees that list. Because the stuff we get credit for, God's not going to see. I love what Bob Goff says in his book. He says, how about trade the appearance of being close to God for the power of actually being close to God? Quit talking a big game and go live a big faith. I'm going to read that one again. Trade the appearance of being close to God 
for the power of actually being close to God. Quit talking a big game and go live a big faith. You see, when we actually become dependent upon God, we grow close to God. <laughs> when we look to God for the credit, when we look God to be, for those things to be loved and to be valued and to matter, we actually grow closer to God. And we become closer to God. And this is ultimately to bring us closer to God. This isn't just about, uh, you know, getting us to correct some motives and behaviors, but it's actually to draw us closer to God. I'm going to actually tell you this morning, I'm going to publicly acknowledge my favorite donor in the church. I'm going to name them today. Not because they need recognition, but I think we need to give them credit. Uh, in fact, this donor just gave $75.5 million to a Christian college, not un, again, not SPU. Gordon College received one of the largest donations to any Christian college in history. At, and this one donor gave $75.5 million to help with student scholarships and financial aid because of the cost of education. To reduce the cost of education, this donor said, I'm going to give this much money. And I know the name of this donor. And I know this donor because I've worked with this donor before. And I just want to share this person's name with you. It's my, this is my favorite donor. Here's the name, first name and last name. First name is anonymous. Last name is donor. Anonymous donor. My favorite donor. God's favorite donor is anonymous donor. Somebody anonymously gave $70.5 million with no recognition, no name on a building, none of that, because they simply wanted to make a difference in students' lives and simply wanted God to get the credit. Amen? Let's pray.